You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Hey, good morning. You guys excited? Are you a little bit? As believers who know Jesus, children of the Most High God, you guys a little excited about that? World's going crazy. Not in our world, baby, right? Uh, I've had my Red Bull. I'm good to go. So we will buckle up. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Pastor Mark Stockland. Um, I am happened to my claim to fame is I'm one of Bill's best friends. At least that's, I think I'm his best. No, I'm just kidding. He is one of my best friends, but I, I run a mission in Haiti called Haiti Bible Mission. Uh, my family's back for a couple more weeks. Uh, we head back the first week of April. And so um, anyway, those of you that do know, we're in the middle of adopting um, a couple boys from Haiti. You can continue to pray for us. We are believing for a miracle that it will be done by November, December this year. So that would be amazing. So going from a family of five to seven, uh, that'll be exciting. So amen. Um, before we get going, I was gonna I was gonna show a video from Angry Birds. It's like two minutes long. Uh, I love and anybody here love Angry Birds. It's not just because I'm angry. It's just I love I love the movie and Angry Birds too. But I told my pastor friend I was like, hey, I'm gonna show this clip, and it's the clip where they're trying to find the, the mighty eagle. You know, they're gonna climb the mountain, and then the birds are like, have you seen this or am I the only one? I'll just quote it, but. It's when, <laughs> it's when the, they're like, hey, we got to go find where he lives so he could, you know, we can get this wisdom. And they're like arguing on the way up the mountain. They're like, I wonder what his battle cry sounds like. No one's ever heard it. You know? And then they're, they're guessing what it would sound like. And they're like, it's probably like this. And it's like, wee, you, woo. You know, I don't know if you remember that, but they're screaming at each other. And then the pastor goes, well, how are you going to tie that into your message? I said, well, I wasn't. I just wanted to show it so the congregation could laugh because a lot of Christians are just too uptight. He's like, why don't you just do some dad jokes? I'm like, nah, we won't do that. So no dad jokes, no angry birds. Um, next time, I want you guys to want me to come back, and then maybe I'll just be my real true self. We'll show some funny videos. So uh, it's okay to laugh in church. Amen? I think if God was here, he'd, be, he'd love to just laugh and enjoy his creation. So uh, let me pray, and we'll, we'll jump in. Heavenly Father God, thank you for your goodness. God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you just for the gift of salvation, God, in sending your son. God, we don't deserve it. We just thank you for the grace and the free gift. God, I pray today, God, that uh, my words would be your words. God, I pray that uh, just lives would be changed. God, that's the goal. God, may people not see me. May they see you, God. And it's your precious name we pray. Amen. As we're going through Ephesians... I was listening to Tim's message uh, this last week. Great job, Tim. Um, we're just going through Ephesians 1 where Paul's writing a letter from prison to the church at Ephesus, the Ephesians here. And there's this prayer, and I just love studying what Paul's doing in his heart and his passion and his prayer for the church and for the people here. Let's just read uh, Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 real quick. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers, that the God of Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might. 
that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule, authority, and power, and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is what I want to focus in on today. I kind of want to focus and zero in on uh, hope. I want us to focus on the confident calling of Christ, which is the definition of biblical hope. That is God calling us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, I think we tend to hope for a lot of things. I can tell you I hope for a lot of things. Last weekend I played in a golf tournament and I was hoping it wouldn't be windy and rainy, but it was. It was blowing extremely. It was probably 30 miles an hour. Anybody play golf here? I was 146 out. That's a smooth choke down eight iron, and I hit a full five iron and got just onto the fringe. So it was pretty windy and rainy. I hoped for a lot of things. I hoped it wouldn't rain, but it rained. I think no matter who we are or what age, young or old, we tend to hope for things. We're young. We're like, hey, I hope I make the basketball team. Hey, we hope that uh, maybe when we're older, we hope that our retirement money, that's enough to live on. There's a lot of things that we hope for in this world, but the hope that we're typically talking about, it's not a guarantee of a hope. It's not a hope of guarantee. Am I right? I hope the weather's going to be good. I hope I make that putt on 18. I didn't, by the way. I hope, <laughs> gotta, I got to work on my putting. I hope for things. We tend to hope for things, but it's typically not a hope of a guarantee. It's like a chance. But what I love here is Paul's prayer moves from wisdom and revelation and knowledge in, in verse 17 to add enlightenment and hope in verse 18. The emphasis in this context is on understanding what God has already done and provided. This is not referring to new insights or predictions of future events. These believers already knew the facts of salvation. They understood and knew that they were believers and they had this hope with God. However, Paul wants them to better understand the importance of these blessings. Verse 17, he says that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him. Tim, as you said last week, the purpose of having this wisdom and knowledge and revelation is that we might know him. Correct? That's the purpose of that, to know him. To know who's him? God. To know God better. And wisdom and revelation, guys, are good things. Can I share that? I, those are good things. But it's still not enough apart from God bringing light and clarity to our lives. Would you guys agree? I think so. I think there's a cool definition in Luke chapter 24. There's these two disciples having this discussion on the road to Emmaus. Remember that story? Who comes up and starts walking with them? Jesus. And he's listening to them talk. What are you guys talking about? They're talking and arguing. And they literally have this long walk in conversation with Jesus. They do not even see and know that it's Jesus. They had all the information. They had all the training. They had walked with Jesus. Jesus died, rose again. He appears to them on their way. They're, they're so blinded they can't even see who's walking with them. Yet they had all the knowledge, training, and understanding. And those things are good. But apart from the light of, of the hope of Christ, we can't see clearly. They had all the information but could not see. And you jump on to verse 18. This is what I love. This is what I'm trying to focus on today. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? The hope. 
But having your hearts enlightened, before we get to hope, having the eyes of your heart, what does enlightened mean? The definition is illumination, a sense of clarity or understanding. To bring light to a situation, kind of that aha moment. When you don't know and the teacher finally explains it to you, that was me, that kid always saying, could you please explain it to me? And then they explain, you're like, ah, I get it now. Illumination, enlightenment, the sense of clarity, understanding, bringing light to a situation. A couple of verses I love, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things of your law. The psalmist is saying, man, open the eyes of my heart so I can see what is in your word. We need to have that enlightenment. We need to have the light shining. We can't know or understand who God is in that hope, Tim, without being able to see clearly. Am I right? Paul's saying, you know what, guys? You guys are saved. You're my son. You're my daughter. But your light's just flickering a little bit. Like, I want you to really see clearly and grasp what I've done. I want you to grasp and understand and see clearly the hope that you have in me. I want the eyes of your heart to be in light. So Paul's prayer is that we would clearly see what God has done and what's in store for us in the future with him. But I do think there's a little problem. First of all, I'm always dry and thirsty. I'm drinking a ton. There's a lot more humidity in Haiti. I'm not going to lie. It's... There's a problem. I think things in this world can blind us or at least hinder us from seeing things clearly. We have a tendency to have our eyes veiled or blinded by distractions. Am I the only one that gets blinded and distracted? I feel at times I look at other ministries, oh, look at how good they're doing. I get distracted with my phone, get distracted with social media, I get just distracted in life. Just with the worries and cares of a family and things, and those aren't all, not all of them are sin, not all of them are bad, but I tend to, I raise my hand to say, I get distracted, and I get distracted very easily. 2 Peter 1.9, you guys don't have to turn there if you don't, but 2 Peter 1.9, I preached this message a while ago, but I love this verse. Peter's saying, man, if you, if you have, actually, sorry, one second. Second Peter, I was in First Peter, that explains it. I need to pay attention to my notes here. Second Peter 1.9. He's talking about if you have this self-control and the steadfastness and godliness and brotherly affection, if these qualities are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what he says. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. And nearsighted and blind, I love that, be, that, that illustration of being nearsighted because it's an illustration that uses like, like a shroud of smoke. A smoke screen in front of you you can't see. And I don't know who was in the military here. Anybody served in the military? You know what the, uh, by the way, I love the military. I love our law enforcement. I will say that on camera 100% because I love you guys. The thing I love about that is that the military have the strategy and this tactic for, for entering a room, and it's called like a, a, the, the smoke bomb or the flash grenade where they throw it in, and boom, it's a puff of smoke. And why do they do that? So that the enemy can't see. There's a barrier. There's something in between, and we come in and we can attack. There's something. There's that shroud of smoke. There's that thing in our life that's hindering us from seeing clearly what we ought to see. 
those distractions, those things. And that's me a lot of times. I got that shroud of smoke. I got those things in my life that are hindering me from seeing clearly. I can tell you for years, years, I struggled with unconfessed sin. I struggled with anger. I struggled with pride. I struggled with the need to perform. And that's how I got my self-worth. I'm sure nobody out there has ever struggled with that. The preacher has. Went to counseling. Radically changed my life. I had friends, one of them's your pastor, walk through with me for years to restore and get me to a point where I could see clearly and having the eyes of my heart enlightened to see what God has done in my life. But I was so blinded and distracted with those things. And I couldn't see the hope that I had in Christ, that calling that Christ had. And hope, it's our confident calling in Christ. Amen? Our hope. And what is that hope? 1 Peter 2.9. I love this verse. 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God called me, God called you out of darkness and into light. How about that for hope? Does that not excite you? More than angry birds finding their savior at the top of the rock? <laughs> Hope is our confident calling in Christ. You know what? Hope is a person too. That's the biggest thing that I've had to remember. Hope is a person. It's Jesus. This is not a hope so, maybe kind of hope. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14. He talks about that those who have fallen asleep, those who have died, we don't have to grieve like those who have no hope. Because as Christ was raised from the dead, we will again rise again and be with him for eternity. We, can't, we don't have to mourn like those who have no hope. I've lost loved ones. I don't, it, it hurts, but I have hope because I know I will see them again one day. The hope of his calling is we will never fall out of his grace or lose our salvation. We will live with him with, for eternity and that's our hope. Our confident expectation is our hope and calling of God in relationship and who he is. Who he is. Our hope is not in our performance for Jesus. Our hope is who Jesus is. Amen? Look at a couple of he moments here in this passage. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he, you see that? He has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked when he raised him from the dead and seated him above all places. Then you get down to uh, 22, and he put all things under his feet. You see all the, all, all the he's and his? It's like, it's me, guys. 
it's Jesus here, it's God, it's the Holy Spirit. Like, you're putting your hope and faith in all these things, but every verse is, I did, basically, I'm God. Like, I did this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you my spirit. I am hope. I'm giving you the wisdom. I'm giving you the revelation. I'm giving you this peace. I'm giving you this. It's all, it's all Jesus. It is all him. Our hope is not in our performance for Jesus. Our hope is who Jesus is, and he is all these things. In order to have the hope and to see clearly, we need to have the hearts, our hearts enlightened. To see clearly. To grasp, to understand the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you a question. How is your spiritual life going? Your spiritual journey? If you were to look at your life the last year, maybe five years, can you see growth? Do you feel you're just stagnant? You're not growing? You're, you've lost sight of that hope. You maybe need the eyes of your heart enlightened because you're just, you're kind of going through the motions. That was me for years. We need to be praying and seeking daily the Holy Spirit to open our eyes. As Paul's prayer here is, he's like, guys, I know you're saved. Like, I know you attend this church. I know you guys are members here. But I want you to understand this blessing, this hope that you actually have. This hope not only here, but for the age to come to be with me. I want you to understand these blessings, but I want you to see clearly. Get rid of those distractions. Allow God's word and light to shine in so you can truly understand who Jesus really is. I just want to share a story of Shasha quick. Shasha is my head of security. And if the band wants to come back up and play in a minute, you guys can do that. Pierre Richard is his real name. He goes by Shasha. He's our head of security in Haiti. And in 2016, when the Hurricane Matthew hit, um, I hired this guy but to come up and work security for us. But before that, his upbringing, his life, he grew up in the worst part of Jeremy, poverty-stricken, he was an angry person. His, the only thing he knew was fighting. He fought all the time. And to be honest with you, I, I couldn't stand the guy. <laughs> he frustrated me so much. I knew him for years. But that was, his, that was his life. That was his upbringing. I just I took a chance. I hired him. He came up, started working for us. Within one year, it was one year exactly, one year exactly that he put his faith in Christ. We had some Fort Myers pastors come down and uh, do some leadership training and uh, he actually accepted Christ at that, at that retreat. We got all our top leaders away. And he, just, he was there providing security for our top leaders. But he got to sit in, <laughs> and he got to sit in on the leadership training and uh, put his faith in Christ. Here's what, here's what I want to just share, though, about, about his story. When, when my wife Lacey asked him after that, like, what changed? What was it that drew you? He said that when he first came up to Haiti Bible Mission and started working with us, he said he felt so awkward. Because he said he felt like there was this spotlight that was just shining on him because he was the only one that didn't know the Bible. He's the only one that didn't know Jesus. He's the only one that was living this way and everyone else was living this way. And so he's like, this light was shining on him that like, you stuck out. Like he goes, I don't blend in with everybody because I'm completely different. But that light sh shone on him so he could see what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus, what it looks like to have that hope. 
I know this is not necessarily talking right here about lost people. Paul's addressing the believers at the church, that they would understand that calling. What I want to remind us all, though, because I'm somebody more of an evangelist, I love to share Christ with people, is that I don't want you guys to underestimate the power of your light shining and that enlightenment and you living out that hope and calling from Christ in your life. Because somebody else is going to need to see that hope. Because when the world's fighting, when the gas prices are through the roof, when the economy's tanking, and somebody says, how can you still be smiling? And you say, because of the hope that I have in Christ Jesus, he called me out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Somebody may need to hear that. There's another Shasha in Fort Myers, Pierre Richard, that needs to see that hope lived out in your life. And when we're walking the same way as everybody else and there isn't a separation, a difference in who we are, in the hope that we have, I'm not hoping in the stock market, probably because I have no stock, but anyway, it doesn't, doesn't change anything in my life. I'm not hoping in the housing market. I'm not hoping in the gas prices. I already know, I've already read the back of this book and I know who wins. That's my hope. I don't know everything there is to know. I just have faith in the one who sent his son and loved me and called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was blind, but now I see. Are you guys living that out? Is this a church that's going to walk out of here and people are going to go, there, there's something about them? What is it? It's the hope I have in Christ. When Paul prayed for the church, this is what he prayed, and this is what Bill and Fort Myers Community Church is what we're praying for us, that we would go out and be this light and live out this hope. But as I close, I just want to share three things that personally I think would clearly help us see the hope that we have in Christ. That we would see it clearly. It's three things. It's God's word, God's people, and God himself. God's word. Guys, I met with somebody just this last week. And I said, How are, are you spending time in God's word? No, not really. And I'm like, <laughs> I just want to laugh because I'm like, if you're not spending time in this right here, I, I don't know what else to tell you. I can give you all the advice you, you, you need in the world, but it, it starts with God's word. This is what's going to enlighten your heart. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what's going to allow you to see. This is what's going to feed you. It starts with God's word. The second is, I said, was God's people. Don't ever underestimate the, the, the power of the, the people of God, the family of Christ. Like I shared, when I was struggling in my marriage and ministry, and uh, I just shared it with Dean. I just met Dean today. Dude, you're awesome. I love that guy, and he loves you. What did I tell you? I said, God, God gave me friends like Pastor Bill to help walk through that challenge with me. When I was blind and stuck in my sin, Dean, and I had unconfessed sin, and I was frustrated, I had a guy come beside me and say, hey, can I remind you what God says? Can I remind you what God's called you out of? What God's perfect plan is for you? God's people, you have to, we have to have people involved in our lives to help us see clearly, to have that enlightenment, to, to live out that hope, to see clearly God's call in our life. We need his word and we need God's people. I pray that you each have friends or people that you can be open, honest, and vulnerable with that aren't going to push you away but actually going to draw you in and point you to the cross and the forgiveness and who Christ is and put you back on that track. And the third thing is God himself, the Holy Spirit. Paul's prayers, they would have their hearts enlightened so they, they could know that hope. Guys, apart from the Holy Spirit, apart from his power, you and I, we can't do anything. I cannot do it apart from the, the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. To try to prepare a message, to try to lead Haiti Bible Mission, to try to provide for my family, 
to try to share Christ with somebody, to try to understand, God, what are you saying? I need the constant work of the Holy Spirit inside of me, and I have to be on my knees fighting for that, saying, God, would you please reveal yourself to me? I want to be like Moses, where I'm like, God, show me your glory. Show me who you are. God, if you're not going with me, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't send me, because, God, I need you, and I want you in my life in your presence, and reveal yourself to me. That's me. Is that you? I pray it's you. I think that's what Paul's saying. He's like, this is what I want your prayer to be. This is my prayer for you, that you would say, God, I need your Holy Spirit. Enlighten me, show me, shine your light so I can understand your word and live out that hope to which you have called me out of darkness into your marvelous light. God's word, God's people, God himself. That's my prayer for you guys today. Your hearts would be enlightened, like Paul said, but you would understand the hope to which he has called you. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you so much for the hope that we can have in you. God, that, you, that our hope doesn't rest in our performance. God, our hope rests in who you are. God, that you are all-powerful. God, you are forgiving, you are loving, and you're a gracious God. God, I pray right now for this church. God, I pray for each family, each person represented here. God, that they would understand and see clearly, that their hearts would be enlightened. God, that they would see the hope to that which you have called. God, you called each of us out of darkness into your marvelous light. God, as sons and daughters of the King, God, may we live that hope and that joy and that life that you've called us to. May we live it with passion, with authority, and God, we rebuke any lie from Satan and the enemy that would say that we have to clean ourselves up, that we have to be worthy. God, none of us are worthy except that your sacrifice on the cross made us worthy, allowed us to have that re uh, relationship with you. God, bless this church. God, bless this community. God, I pray for every homeowner or wherever they live and rent, God, that their neighborhoods God would be saturated with the light of the hope of salvation, of that relationship with you. And it's your precious name we pray. Amen.